Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl, aka Janine Luby. So a couple things I want to share with you before we get into my conversation with my guest this week. This is the first time I've tried to really do some editing. Uh, I've done simple editing before, like really simple, where I just had to remove something like when someone's laptop died or the connection ended or something. This week, I uh, I didn't want to have you, uh, it's, it was great content, but I know that an hour and 20 minutes would have been a little bit long. So I wanted to edit some things out. Uh, it was a tad bit too long because I had a tad bit too much wine when I recorded it in the evening and I was kind of repeating myself a few times and just talking too much. So I went in and I edited uh, the content and I have to say it came out pretty good for me having very limited knowledge and uh, practice with video editing. But I will say there is going to be a moment uh, in the beginning of the podcast where uh, we're not right at the beginning, but soon in the beginning, you'll hear like some empty space for a couple seconds. Don't hang up. <laughs> Don't get off the podcast. Hang in there because it returns. Other than that, there are no empty spaces, but there are some awkward or kind of odd transition. So I will apologize up front. I will thank you for your patience and patronage, so to speak, uh, for hanging in there with me. But uh, as I edited it, I realized that I edited out my intro. So that's why I'm adding this. And so that you'll understand where the conversation starts with Roya, uh, my guest this week, Roya Hamadani, who is a fantastic human being. She's a funny, smart, beautiful woman who I met through comedy in the Lehigh Valley area. I actually had her on one of my shows at Mountain View Vineyard and Winery in Stroudsburg, oh gosh, four maybe years ago or so, four or five years ago. And then we kind of did some things in the Lehigh Valley area together. She has now moved to Massachusetts, but still makes her way back to the Lehigh Valley. In fact, this weekend, she'll be performing along with her husband. They will both be performing at the Comedy Platz at Music Fest in Bethlehem. And I am super excited that I will be performing there this weekend as well, Saturday, 4.30 and 7. But I want to put some context around where the conversation begins, because I had welcomed Roya and I was sharing that I had a really good day. Last week when we recorded this, I had my first session with a personal trainer and Hope, I mean, how can you go wrong with someone who's named Hope Showers? Oh my gosh, what a beautiful positive name. So she definitely exudes uh, what her name is all about. She motivated me. She made me feel like she helped me really tap into something and empower myself. So yes, it was her. She was the catalyst, but I felt really good after our session. And I can't even tell you what a great day I had, uh, especially these days as I talk openly about my perimenopause, which yes, I make jokes, but uh, depression that comes around about once a month for a good solid week is not a joke and it's pretty serious. And there are many days when I'm feeling pretty, pretty darn low. So anyway, I started the conversation talking about my mood and how I was seeing the day and how it started off great. And it was really a good day. But then I saw some things on social media that just aggravated me. Imagine that, right? Social media. Um, it's just something to consider, something to think about that like, you know, a person will have a bad experience with like uh, a company. Let's say they'll have, they'll have poor customer serious, excuse me, customer service. I haven't even been drinking. Uh, they'll have poor customer service or just a bad encounter with somebody and they'll post about it on social media. And I understand, I think it's our desire as humans to want to empathize with people 
And I get that, but you know what we can do? Here's something to try. Say to the person, you know what? I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, I'm sorry that you had a crappy experience, crappy day. It's going to get better. Or give me a call. Let's go for a walk. Uh, there's There are better things around the corner. But unfortunately, what happens is it becomes a negative Nelly dump or a Debbie Downer dump. Oh my gosh, people are the worst. You know, the other day I was in line at the supermarket and this person, oh my gosh, she, was, she had 50 items in the tent. You know, it unleashes all the negativity. And I'm like, why don't we strive to make the world the, the place we say we want it to be instead of just the negativity? So that was where I was coming from. And then the conversation began and Roya shared her thoughts. So without further ado, please enjoy this week's conversation with Roya Hamadani. Because uh, what you were saying, it, I have these quotes on my wall. And one of them is, we see the world not as it is, but the way we are, which is from the Talmud. And it's exactly like kind of what you're saying. Um, it's that sense of like, is it really like that? Or is it how your mindset is that day? You know, uh, I, I, also, I have mental illness. I don't know if I've ever said that on this podcast, but I'm sure I've said it somewhere. I have it sometimes in my comedy, but I've been living with it for a very, very, very long time, probably since I was in my teens. And sometimes like i'm like you know is is am i in a bad mood am i depressed is it something is it the world or is it do i need to change my meds like there's this constant like wondering if if everything is is if if i'm overreacting basically and so uh lately i was having this problem where like i just couldn't do anything like you know like you can't get out of bed and all that but like no i literally couldn't get out have to have my husband drag me, <laughs> like take my arms, pull me out. Um, and then I started a new medication and uh, I'm like, it's, it seems to be helping, but I'm getting all the funny side effects where I'm like, I'm a little dizzy and I'm a little nauseous. I have a little bit of a headache. And then I take a look because my husband had read me all the, the, the side effects. And I take a look and I was like, oh, sudden blindness. He left this one out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. But so far hadn't had that one, but they always have like crazy side effects. Like <laughs> one was like um, extra heartbeats. Like what? <laughs> what do you mean extra heartbeats? <laughs> like a cardio. Come on. But yeah, it's just this like, I'm, I'm constantly kind of trying to gauge. Is it, is this my mood? What's going on? You know, how do I get myself out of this thing of thinking like pessimism and just, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. I know when we spoke, and I should have said earlier that Roya has been on my podcast before. We spoke when uh, when you were still in the Lehigh Valley area uh, before you moved, um, but you did not. We did not talk about that. And if you don't mind me asking, only because you brought it up. Like, so mm -hmm. what is your diagnosis or uh, that you live with? Oh, with sure. Um, so I have bipolar disorder. Uh, bipolar. Whenever I meet someone else who's bipolar, I say, are you bipolar one or bipolar two? And if they say two, I go, I won because I'm one. <laughs> um, so for me, yeah. So for me, it was like I was misdiagnosed for a very long time. It's just depressed. Happens a lot to people who are bipolar because it's like, we never think the mania is a problem. Like, come on, that's the fun time. So um, but yeah, it, unfortunately it can be what I didn't know is bipolar mania can be irritation and rage. So that's not good. Um, <laughs> getting arrested is a possibility. <laughs> so 
sort of thing. So yeah, got to keep it under wraps. I take my meds faithfully, not just for me, but for all the good people around me. <laughs> That's my community service <laughs> on a daily basis. Now, it's interesting that you share that because um, I didn't know that, but I've had uh, Gab Benesso is someone who I've had on my podcast like four or five times and she has bipolar. And I had Kelly Moran on a few weeks later in May uh, talking about her bipolar disorder. So it's, but I do think it's, a, it is important and I am grateful. And I want to say, I thank you, appreciate you for sharing that because we do need to talk about that more. So people who do have it yeah. understand that they're not alone and that there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. And also I feel like I want people to know, like if the weather's bad and it goes back and forth, don't call it bipolar. <laughs> if something breaks in your house. And then unbreaks, don't call it bipolar, because we don't want to be compared to things that are frustrating or broken. <laughs> yes, that's a very good point. Yes, yes. yes that's so that's just my one wish. That's my one wish. <laughs> Your one wish. Yeah, that's a fair one. That's very fair. I think we can work to make that happen. Um, yeah. Last time we spoke, you were in Lehigh Valley. But as I said earlier, like that's, that's how we met. You were in Lehigh Valley. You did one of my shows. You were gracious enough to invite me into... You were doing a lot of, and I want to applaud you, uh, Roya has done a lot of great things to bring women into comedy and, and highlight them in the Lehigh Valley area. And I got to meet a lot of wonderful other women in the Lehigh Valley area because of you. And I want to thank you for that. Um, you still come back and perform. In fact, I know you will also be performing. I'm so excited. I get to perform this year at the Steel Stacks at the Music Fest. I'm so excited. And you will be there and your husband, Ian, will also mm -hmm. be performing. But you guys have moved to Massachusetts mm -hmm. uh, a little over a year ago. Um, before we get into like the comedy scene, I did want to talk a little bit about something a little more like, I guess, the serious side. You did move because of family. Um, yes. And I guess this is something that's on my mind because my dad's 86, my mom's 77. They live next door. They're in good shape, uh, good health, but life is life, right? Things change. And we're, you know, my brother lives a couple hours away. I'm the one that's kind of like, hey, did you buy your plots yet? Do you want to be cremated or not? Like I'm the one having these conversations, which I say it like with tongue in cheek, but this is part of life. You moved because of family. If you want to talk, tell us a little sure. bit about that and how it's been. Sure. So, um, so first of all, uh, when I was living in the Valley, my mom um, was living on her own and one day had a fire. Um, and when the fire was happening in the kitchen, she called me instead of 911. And I was, uh, I normally do not pick up my mother's calls for my own mental health, but I did. <laughs> and then I was like, why are you calling me? And I, I called 911 for her. And when later I asked her, she just said, I called 911 and you were working there for some reason. <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's a problem. So she ended up living with me and my husband for two years, which was the worst two years of all of our lives. <laughs> And we found out she had mild cognitive impairment. So I decided uh, that we needed to move. Um, she's 83. My sister lives in Arlington, Massachusetts, and she has triplets. And they are teenagers now. But um, I wanted her to have time with them before she either didn't know who they are or um, died. So uh, I brought her here. 
and she's been able to see them on an almost weekly basis. They really like having a grandmother in their life. All their other grandparents have died. I've told her she is the last grandparent standing. She loves that. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, is like she's holding steady at mild cognitive impairment, so she can live on her own. We we've got like the we've got like medic alerts. We've got cameras. We call her all the time. So so far, um, but she did have a fall, and that's why. It had happened in the middle of the night, so it would have happened even if I wasn't, I was there. So she was able to hit the button and, you know, she got, she got help right away. And she, she actually broke her back. Ooh. And then within two and a half months, she healed. <laughs> she's fine. Which wow. is like, my mother is a tank. Um, <laughs> she's been through a lot. She's been through World War II, the Iranian Revolution, my father's driving. Uh, she's had diabetes, heart disease, um, and then she fell and broke her back, and then she's just up and around. Like, she almost died, actually, of a really bad flu. She was hospitalized. She was intubated. She was, after about a month, she was back in, back in the saddle. She's just made of iron. And yeah, well, see, this was the thing. We were like, oh, my God, she's a tank. And then we're like, oh, my God, she's a tank. <laughs> like... Even her doctor, I was like, I think she's a tank. And she's like, I think she is a tank. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to live forever. <laughs> and I said, I said, mommy, say you're a tank. And she goes, no, I am a senior citizen. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was meaning that as a compliment. <laughs> she's a tough, she's a tough cookie. So she's doing okay then. She's managing. Yeah. And she has an example of someone who hates people. <laughs> who thinks the worst of everyone, including her relatives and her children, who has disowned multiple relatives, who who we just call uh, the heart of darkness is our is one of our uh, nicknames for her, and also where joy goes to die. And yet, <laughs> she's running around. And so what I say to her, I said, "Mommy, only the good die young. Just be as wicked as possible." <laughs> Go out, live us all. <laughs> so let me ask you, how has the move been for you? I mean, that's a big adjustment to move and like away quite a bit. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate moving. I hate moving so much. Uh, only she is the only reason that I would move. Like there's no other reason because it's such a pain in the butt. We're still unpacking. Also, like we thought the stress, we thought like after we weren't living with my mom anymore, my husband and I would just like, like mirac miraculously become healthy again. <laughs> Instead, we gained like another 20 pounds on top of the 20 pounds that we gained with her. Like, cause she would cook for us. Like we would try to get her not to, but then she didn't like our cooking and she liked to like make herself a martyr and she would get out the oil and just like pour it. Like, and it would just like be glug, 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 glug. <laughs> I mean, like that wasn't, it wasn't measured. It was just in time, amount of time the bottle was held. And uh, so, yeah, her, it wasn't cook, healthy cooking. But somehow the stress of moving, we were just like, where's the takeout? Give me that menu. <laughs> That's how it is again. Yeah, we were stressed out, very stressed. You've yeah. spoken about your ethnicity before. Um, does yeah. she have certain dishes that she loves to make for you guys? Yeah, well, see, my dad passed away, but he was, he's Persian, and my mom is Filipino. And between them, there's a lot of rice. It's like mm -hmm. so much rice. <laughs> and so she so makes Persian rice. rice. Yeah, and then she still makes Persian parashas for us, the stews, but at the same time likes to make us the Filipino dishes, like pork adobo. Um, so it's really fun, because like the one culture is no pork, and the other one's like pork, pork, pork. <laughs> 
so my mom would cook and she'd have on the dinner table the the rice and then she'd have like adobo and then she'd have like the stew for my dad like which would be like fried eggplant with <laughs> in the stew and then there would be maybe tostones thrown in there because why not <laughs> then, you know like yogurt with cucumber masakiar which is persian but goes really well with pork adobo so in some ways i feel like they were meant for each other and so my mom would eat the persian eat the filipino food my father would eat the persian food and i would eat both which is why i was a i was a very chubby kid <laughs> and so she still makes all the favorites every what everybody loves and i can't cook like her i've tried but i can't hold the bottle up for that long like i can't I can't. I physically cannot cook like her. <laughs> like it just feels wrong. <laughs> so Do you like cooking? Or no? I I mean, sometimes like I like making ice cream. I started making ice cream. I really like it. And so if I'm in the mood to cook, I like it. It's not something I enjoy every mm. day, but sometimes, you know, I don't want my husband to have to do it all the time. So I'll I'll hop in there. I just haven't really gotten the hang of certain things. Like I can't for some reason cook beef. Like I can make a stew with beef, but I tried to like roast, like make a pot roast and it came out like leather. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm following the directions. I just don't think I'm meant to cook it. That's okay. I'll just order it in restaurants. It's fine. <laughs> now does Ian, uh, your husband, does he like to cook or no? Or does he just he, do it to eat? <laughs> he, he also cooks. I think he likes it better than me because he'll, he'll like find a recipe he wants to make and then like follow it. I hardly ever follow recipes. There's probably some point with the pot roast. I just went off book. <laughs> like, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just usually just throw something together. But he actually likes to follow recipes and learn things. <laughs> the only yeah. time I really use the book is for baking because that's like chemistry. Oh it's yeah, not even cooking. <laughs> that's why I don't like to bake. And I've talked about this with friends who like to bake and other friends who like to cook. I I don't love to do either. But if I had a choice, like I like to cook more than I like to bake, because you're right, it is it is I think it's so much more precise. And I'm afraid of messing things up there where with cooking, you could be like, yeah, I'll put a little bit more of this and I'll put a little mm -hmm. bit more of that. And I'm going to try yeah. this. And I I mean, I live alone. So I really I mean, it's it's another case of, you know, we should value ourselves but like i don't want to cook for myself so like tonight i had like goat cheese on crackers i had hummus with pita chips and like so i'll i will cook for myself but not as often as i would cook for someone else in my family or whatever yeah and i mean honestly for me marriage was like do i love this person enough not to have cereal for dinner because i really love having cereal for dinner but it's hard to get two people to agree on that <laughs> all the time so yeah i was like okay i love him enough not to have that <laughs> wow those are some high standards i'm gonna put away the cheerios because this is real <laughs> yeah honey bunches of oats should be called uh, honey bunches of crack oh my those god that's stuff are good <laughs> i can't i can eat a whole box in like a day <laughs> oh man i can't have it in the house can't have it. so tell me about like when we spoke last it's been a little probably before you moved, when we spoke last, uh, Roya had talked about her experience in Lehigh Valley. And I mean, any woman knows like much like in regular life and regular jobs, comedy is not different. Women are still disrespected and, you know, not as valued. And yeah. Roya spoke about her, uh, you were hosting, um, you know, open mic nights and you were often disrespected. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about the scene in Massachusetts 
what have you found? How is it different? And have you, are you enjoying it? What's going on there? So, so there's, so, so I moved to Lowell and that is a town that's about uh, 45 minutes from the center of Boston. And it has a lot of um, similarities to Allentown um, in that, you know, it's, it used to be, this used to be a mill city, you know, and, and the Allentown had the, you know, Mack truck and all that before that, you know, Bethlehem steel and all that. Um, but here, here there are Asians. There's like 23% Asians and there's like no Asians in the Valley, <laughs> almost no Asians. So I'm just running around the first, literally the first time I, I got first, I started weeping when I saw so many Asians around and then I went to an open mic and there were none there. <laughs> it was the one place there were no Asians, not at that open mic. And then that open mic in Lowell proceeded to be exactly like an open mic um, in the Lehigh Valley, because basically if you're not within a city, anywhere outside of the city, you get people who are just horrible. And uh, so there was a dude who was being super racist. Um, he was like an older white dude who uh, thought it was really funny to tell me my last name didn't sound Irish. A lot of people are Irish up here. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not Irish, thank you. And then said that um, Chinese people eat cats and I wanted to throw something at him. Cause it's like, first of all, it's racist. And second of all, it's so hack. Like just- I was gonna please. say, isn't that a joke told 25 years ago? Something new, I think more. I think like, I think like 40. So yeah, so so then, and then I'm like, okay, so I'm mad. And then the, the host introduces me as like, she's from Japan, he says. And I mean, he's, he's Hispanic. So I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? So I didn't go back to that one. I said, screw it. So I, I decided I would um, try to go to Boston to do mics. And I was lucky because I had made a friend um, online who lives in Boston. So I was able to go with her to Mike's. I don't, to be a woman going alone to a mic in the city just seemed like not a great idea. <laughs> like yeah. it would probably be fine, but I would not enjoy myself. So, cause I never enjoy mics. I hate mics. I hate them so much. And even then, even sometimes I go to one and everything's fine and I do well, I still leave going, God, I hate mics. <laughs> I give you credit because I don't go to them. I'm just lazy and I don't want to be out past nine. So <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of them are really late. So, but the difference is the mics in Boston within the city of Boston is that there's, it's much higher caliber. I mean, like, because there's, there's more competition because a city is less uh, tolerant sometimes of like the, like Uber racism. Um, People will just be like the, the people who run these things aren't afraid to just tell somebody not to come back, <laughs> you know. So that's nice. There's a lot of women, a ton of women, um, but pretty much all the same stuff is still there. The whole like assumption: if you're a woman, you're not funny, and you know, only having one or no women on a lineup, and um, you know, just this sort of like boys' club thing going on. It's pretty. It's pretty rampant, and there are very few female headliners here, mm. like. Yeah, it's just people seem to be getting women. So women who are really, really good, it's like they should be headlining all the time, but they're like it features all the time still. It's like that doesn't seem right. So, so it's got the goods and bads. I've I've been working a lot with um, a group called Thod Balls, and it's it's it stands for first only and different, 
Um, and it's a group that a couple of women started to have uh, shows that feature people who are women and also marginalized communities like people of color and queer people. And so uh, I've been on a few of their shows and there was one night that was all Asian American and oh man, I've only been on two all Asian American shows because it's like, how do you find that many Asian comics all sit in a room and bitch about their parents? It's really, <laughs> it's really hard. Like we've been, we've been trained not to do that shit. <laughs> like we've been trained. Like it's very, it's like, oh no, <laughs> um, the ancestors. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, so there's goods and bads and there's definitely a lot more. Like I met somebody who's half Vietnamese and half Jewish. She's like the first person that I've met who I feel like we have like a kinship and our, and our comedy is, is, has like sort of a kinship and, and jokes that work that never worked in the Valley work here. So that's oh. nice. It's like, so yeah, I'm like, I'm glad I, I held on to those for a really long time. <laughs> that's cool. That's very cool. Now, how about your husband? Is he in performing up there as well? Well, he decided to take a year off and become okay. a scuba diver. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's he got, different. He, he got certified in scuba diving. He's taken up carpentry. Um, but now he started going to the mics with me because uh, I can't do this by myself. And he decided he wanted to try it again. It's really tough. I mean, it's so weird. It's a boys club and yet it's also tough for white guys, <laughs> straight white guys, because there's so many of them. So it's kind of like, and it's all, and it's just like comedy anywhere. It's all based on who you know. So he's not a schmoozer. He's not mm. a schmoozer, you know? I feel that. I'm, yeah, so, I get that. So I think, I think once I'm, I'm going to start working um, with some people to put together shows and obviously he's going to be on one of them. <laughs> So I'm like, I don't know, he's marginalized because his comedy requires a brain. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like his comedy is completely different from the other guys because it's yeah. just like, I mean, nobody goes up there and goes, I want to talk about my garden hose. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, my, and actually the garden hose. <laughs> yeah, the actual garden hose. Yeah. The actual garden Not hose. with like a wink and a cheesy grin, right? <laughs> nope, 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 nope. It's the garden hose. So, oh my God, people from New Hampshire seem to be so nice. Like, I don't, I don't even understand it. Sometimes I just stand there open mouth in like a, in a Trader Joe's while somebody treats me as though I'm their long lost sister. It's just like <laughs> handing me things, telling me things like, oh, and if you do this and this one's so good, all you have to do is heat it. I'm like, what is happening? Uh, so, so You're so kind. <laughs> they are very kind until they start driving. Um, and <laughs> In Boston, I would say that the driving's homicidal, but the people are, you know, they're, they're fine. Like they're just, they're New Englanders. They're not, they're not warm and fuzzy, but there's so many people who have moved here from other places that you can't even really make too much of a generalization. So, but the driving is insane. They are trying to kill everybody and themselves. <laughs> I could the not handle that traffic. All the time. Driving. Yeah. No, I could I not cried. handle it. The first time I had to drive through Boston traffic, I was crying. I almost got hit by a bus. I was like, oh my God, the bus lane. Ah! 
Oh, you have a show. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It's in Salem, I believe, right? With Megan oh, Getz. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, ghost yeah. Uh, comedy shows. And I think I think she Ghosted. runs them a lot. Ghosted, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, so Megan Getz, for, for the, my listeners, Megan has um, actually, it is due to Roya that I met Megan. Uh, Roya, I, I think that's how it works. Someone introduced me no, to No, I think it was the other way around. Or was it the other way around? Yeah, because really? Meg couldn't make a spot. She, you were, you needed Meg, but she couldn't make the spot. So she's like, try my friend Roya. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I didn't know, I didn't know Meg either. So it was like, I think someone oh. introduced me to her. Yeah, I didn't oh. know Meg. So that's, I met you. And then eventually I, you were, I met you first. And then I met okay. Meg and Meg okay. is from the Poconos. So when mm-hmm. I have shows in Strasbourg at the Mountain View Vineyard, um, she's been up there twice. And it's great because she gets like her families in there and she tries to pull out some of, you know, the folks that she knows up in that way. And she was with me, I think last year she did a show and she'll be doing October 12th. She's going to be emceeing the show that I'm doing there. And I'm going to be working with Emily Epstein White from Philadelphia, who I've never worked with uh, before. She's really nice. Yeah, I I looked at her clips and I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. she seems really funny. But I know that um, that Meg does these. Is it ghosted? Like where people mm-hmm. write for other comedians? Yes. Like you write for each other. So you're doing that show with her in Salem, Massachusetts. Yes, that's awesome. So when is that? And tell us what that whole concept is like. So it's August fifteenth in Salem. Um, uh, ghosted is basically uh, she pairs comics. Um, and then they each write a set for each other. Um, and then they don't see it until the, the night of when they then read the set. And it is basically a light roast. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, so I didn't know that. <laughs> or maybe I forgot <laughs> when, <laughs> when I said yes, because I'm real bad at those. Um, and the person that I'm working with is my friend, Steph Darwin, and she too. I think said yes before understanding that concept <laughs> and was also like, what? <laughs> and I gave her lots of things to roast me about. Like I told her, I was like, I've recently started foraging. Like I literally go and eat weeds now for no apparent reason. Like, oh, look, it's the lamb's corner. So it's some wood sorrel. Like if you're <laughs> foraging, like, I don't know what happened to me. It's like, I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I woke up. I was 46. I'm like, I'm going to go eat the lawn. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, the grass is looking kind of high. Let me take that yeah. down an inch so or like, two. So like I gave her that and a bunch of other things. And then I'm thinking about her and I was like, she's just a lovely human. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> oh, you got to dig deep. There's got to be something. <laughs> that is an interesting concept. I always see, like, I've never seen a show but I've seen Meg's posts on Instagram and I'm like, that just looks like really very different and very cool. So now did this come about because like through a connection that you have just because I saw that I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's going to be in Massachusetts. Uh, I give her all the credit in the world to be doing these shows in different places. Was that like your connection in Massachusetts or is no, that hers? That she was did hers? This okay. all herself. Wow. She, booked, okay. she made a new England tour. Like oh, wow. She contacted wow. venues in Connecticut and, uh, um, what's some other state? Um, <laughs> some more uh, of those New England states. Maybe it's like Rhode way. Island, I guess. Vermont, I maybe. I don't know. Vermont, yeah, maybe, maybe Vermont. Who knows? Yeah. Because it's like, so there's so many people doing so many things all at once. And I would love to 
I think I would, it's like, I wish I had endless energy uh, and, and ability and like could just maybe, I didn't, wasn't even endlessly energetic in my twenties. Like I just spent most of my twenties on a couch. I was actually a Nielsen <laughs> family. That's how much TV I watched. They approached me to watch TV for them. Um, so, so yeah, but it's like, there's so many women doing so many interesting things in different cities. And I know there's a woman in Salem who's been running a mic and doing shows for a long time and I don't know if maybe she's she was involved but Salem's a really fun little town so we almost moved there but you have to pay like a million dollars for a postage stamp and then the entire month of October you can't get home <laughs> all the visitors yeah I think I did visit there in October like about 15 20 well, 18 years ago maybe of course to see the shops and the ghost stories and all that jazz the reason that people go there yeah 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 so I'm kind of like pulled a little bit away from stand-up because I'm doing a lot of uh, sketch comedy which I find so much fun um it's more it's like it's harder in that you have to like corral people <laughs> all make this thing with you um but it's it can be just like you you end up with sometimes products that like my my squeezy moosh I have a, um, a sketch called Squeezy Moosh that I really love. And it's like, it'll be there forever. I'm going to be 83 and I can see myself popping around in underwear looking really unflattering. <laughs> and then I'll be like, I look great then. I don't know why I was upset. <laughs> exactly. I was freaking smoking back then. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we're like Pigeon City is my um, sketch comedy group that I work with. Uh, two lovely young men, Jaya Peck and JJ Ellis. And I think it's good having other people look at your work and stuff and having like a writer's group is really nice. And I think it's been good for them. For, for me, they have like really imaginative ways of looking at things and it always heightens my, my, my concepts. And for me, I feel it's like I'm the one going, hey, women, no, that's not it. <laughs> not that um, <laughs> you know, I'm also like the resident people of color, like, is this okay? <laughs> like, I mean, I think so. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I could be wrong. So, but it is, it's nice to have, uh, it's nice to have a group of people working towards something. Stand-up is lonely. Um, you can have a writing group, but it, I've not done that. <laughs> yeah, so they, we Zoom, uh, every couple weeks we Zoom. And that actually has been fine. Like, I kind of thought it was going to be a problem, but it's, it's been fine. Because um, what we do is we read, we do like a, a table reading of the, of the work, and then we talk about how to make it better. Um, so, and then once we start having rehearsals, in October, because the show is no the first week of November. Once we have our shows in our rehearsals in October, I'm gonna just come down um, because my in-laws live in the Valley still. So I can just stay with them. And then I also know quite a few people would let me crash on their couch if, even if that wasn't possible. What would you say is, I know like we talked about as far as being solo versus the team, what do you like that's different about the sketch? I mean, how did that you like that's different from stand-up? Well, you can attack different concepts. Uh, sometimes some, so I've always, my teacher, my first teacher, or one of my first teachers in stand-up said, if it is better to see it visually, then it's not going to be a good joke. So 
this is the way you can show things like because one of the big jokes with squeezy moosh is me jumping up and down trying to get into the women's shapewear because it's about women's shapewear which is a completely insane concept of like them telling you like okay put on this compression stocking because you love yourself and you're so confident in your body that you want to compress yourself to the point where you can't breathe <laughs> and so i'm like hopping up around hopping in and that is that is funny to watch and less funny to describe. So I think that's because that's what it is. Like I have this one sketch I'm working on where a woman is fighting a robot that wants to stop other women, stop women from asking men out. <laughs> and it's like, I tell jokes about like how women should ask men out because like we spend like, we'll spend like 45 minutes picking a nail polish. And then it's like, whoever shows up, that's what I'll decide who I marry and mate with. Whoever shows up. It's like, are you kidding? It's 8.05. Is he coming? What's going on? Yeah, it's just whoever shows up. I'm not going to ask anybody anything. So to me, it's like car shopping. It's like you don't wait to see what parks in your driveway. You go to the lot, you find your car. So that's, I hunted my husband. That was how I did it. So I was like, I want to show this concept. It's hard to talk about and get as much like, excitement behind it as I get when I, you know, was writing the sketch and, and I think it's going to get, I mean, if a woman fighting a robot on stage doesn't <laughs> like throwing coffee at it and stuff, cause it's in a coffee shop. So I feel like, I feel like that's going to work out. And so it's, it's basically that it's like the visual parts of it. I did another one called Gyne on the go. It's, it's, I'm now I need to edit it because I've learned how to edit I've gotten Adobe Premiere and learned how to edit because I want to, and I want to learn how to film. So I don't need boys anymore. I can do it all myself because they're not up here. My boys are down there. <laughs> <laughs> Screw so, you boys. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I love them. I brought them up. Actually, those three, three of my boys came up. Now, is any of them the tampon guy? Yeah. The tampon guy who is Evan. Okay. Um, Evan. <laughs> You know, it's really bad when you can't remember somebody's name is so important to you because they're your living tampon. It'll come to me. <laughs> um, he's I, a wonderful I started human. following him on Instagram because I was just like, sure, I'll follow the tampon guy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't posted in a really long time. I have to do that. Um, so he came up with uh, my friend Jaya and then my other friend Alex. And we went around the city of Boston with a giant tampon. Evan was dressed as a giant tampon. Talking to people and filming. A, fil filming. And boy, oh boy. Uh, it's funny because two weeks after that, for the first time ever, there was a tampon on SNL. Mr. Tampon Man. Mr. Tampon was on SNL. And the whole time we were out there, people were filming us like crazy. They wouldn't come and talk to us. They wouldn't come near us, but they were taking photos and video. And I was Isn't just that like, interesting. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, huh. Okay. Huh. I mean, they changed the concept, the costume, because instead of having the tail between his legs, the, the, you know, the white cord, they had it coming out of the top of his head. But let me tell you, people would say to say, we're saying to us things like, is, they, is he a candle? Is he a white penis? <laughs> An old woman said. And then I was like, and then they'd see the cord and they're like, he's a tampon, isn't he? <laughs> they're like, yes, yes, he is. Evan Williamson. 
Thank you. Marathon Man. Saturday. I think it's the 11th and 12th. 11th and 12th. Yeah. Because I know I'm performing August 12th. I think you guys are on the 9 or. Mm -hmm. uh, We're on the 930s on both shows. Right. 930. Okay. So going to be so old and tired, but it's fine. (laughs) Old and tired. And I'm doing the 430 family friendly show, which I chuckle at because I'm like, what the fuck is family friendly? There's children running around breweries and wineries. So I don't. Fuck me if I know what family friendly means. But. I sure as hell don't know, but I'm going to just try to not, I don't curse that it's, much anyway. It's like, but. it's anything that their parents won't need to explain later. <laughs> but that's kind of like, come on, like, like are they going to get my perimenopausal jokes? Probably not. I don't have a lot of dino bite yeah. jokes or like, no, I mean, jokes, so I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more <laughs> that like, I mean, to me, like I stopped doing that family friendly because all I have I realized our jokes about my parents like emotionally abusing me and uh, um, my weird sex capades that I've done when I was manic and, and racism. So like, <laughs> well, I didn't really I want to do family friendly, but I'm, I'm excited because this is my first year, but I forget how it was phrased. I mean, like I didn't want to be like that girl and be picky, but like, I didn't want to do family friendly, but like, I'm not, I don't tell dirty jokes, but my jokes aren't for kids. I think I marked in the comments, something like I can do PG, but they're not like, they're not going to get the context. You make the parents laugh and as long as, you know, I mean, without cursing or like <laughs> vivid descriptions of blowjobs. <laughs> I think, I think you and I remember something about that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I had a comedian who told me she wouldn't do that and did. So yeah, yeah. No, I don't I don't I don't have too many blowjob jokes in my repertoire. Definitely check out Roya and Ian Webster. Roya Hamadani and Ian Webster and all the folks there because it's gonna be just a really cool thing. I have never performed at this before. Is it like an like tell me because I'm curious and, and for the listeners who want to know, so, it's like a nice crowd, right? Yeah. So so Music Fest, you've been to Music Fest? Yeah, I've been to Music yeah. Fest, but not like I've never performed comedy there right, or never right. been to the comedy. Years mm-hmm. honestly, I haven't even been to Music Fest in years. I think I the last time I was at Music Fest was probably, oh my God, this is sad, 20 years ago or 21 years ago, and I saw okay. the Indigo Girls. That is the last time I was there. <laughs> okay. Well, so what I found is that the 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 people who come to the shows, um, the only issue that I've ever had is like as the night progresses, people get drunker. <laughs> so the family friendly, they're pretty much sober, and then the seven thirty, they're buzzed, and I get to do the nine thirty when they might start calling out. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, people <laughs> will stand up. That. <laughs> people will stand up and leave because they think it's like anything where it's like the music tents, they can just come and go. So hopefully they do it between comics is what we encourage. And, um, the But it's like a barn. It's like a barn. The ice house is where they used to keep ice. So it's really huge. And then they set up these like bleacher type th- situation. And if there's a lot of people in there, it's like quite a lot a lot i remember one time i was up there and it was like the biggest wave of act like laughter i've ever felt in my entire life was in that room not that i was so funny but they were all like because they're all sort of around you because it's like on three sides so it's coming at you from three sides and it's like it was it's pretty cool and 7 30 usually gets the most crowds so um yeah i mean people are generally nice uh the only trouble we've ever had is with drunk people calling out and it's, it's never like mean heckling. It's the helpful heckle. 
Like, you know, like, yeah, I did that too. Yeah, let me tell you how that happened to me. I feel you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Some dude like, like, no, you didn't, did you? Really? Come on. You know, that kind of thing that they do to other dudes. Women don't get yelled at as much, but we only get yelled at by other women. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like, it's a girl. It's a girl. Oh, my God. I know. I went up once and a woman was screaming that at me. And I was like, it is. Please stop yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand you're excited, but this is not the way I wanted to start. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I saw pictures from, I think, Aaliyah Brown, who I've had on the podcast, and I know that you're friends with, and Aaliyah's awesome, and she's at Steel Stacks and does a ton of awesome shows there. Um, I saw her photos, and I was like, wow, look at that setup. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, a lot of people attended. So it could either be, like, I'm looking forward to either, like, wow, amazing feeling, like, wow, they laughed at me, or, like, amazing silence and crickets chirping. <laughs> either way, it's going to make it at all. Ian and I were saying we thought you'd do really well there. Like, yeah, it's because it, I don't think you'll have a problem at all. The people come in there and I think your comedy will be accessible to them. And I think also that the people come in there wanting to have a good time. It's not like when you walk into a bar and they don't know you're supposed to be there or something. They're like coming in on purpose. Um, and it, That's it's helpful. Yeah. And it's like not in the it's not near everything. Like you have to go up a hill. And then go in like they do not wander in. They know that it is there. So they're no not like, what's is. in here? Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, I'm going to climb that hill and find out what's in there. No, they're like, the comedy's over there. We're going over there. Come I mean, on, you know, kids. We're getting over this big hill to laugh. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I am truly excited. Um, so as we wrap up, I did want to ask you if you want to share, because I don't even know where you're at with this a while back, a couple months ago. You messaged us to share something with you because I think you were taking yeah. a class, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. You want to share something about that just because yeah. I'm curious so, and I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. So basically what happens is this. I, you know, when I moved, I kind of like lost access to my guys who were filming for me. And um, so I decided to take a class on video production and I am still like working on like, I need to pick a camera by it starts to I, the editing part is the part that I have been doing the most of. So I decided I want to do as part of my finishing my class was a mini doc on women in comedy. Um, and what happened was, is like, as I was doing it, it just wasn't like coming together the way I wanted it to. So what I've talked to my teacher about doing is having a series. So the first one, cause I want to have a series because I would like to have LV stand up women be its own. So it'd be its own five to seven minutes. So right now I have a five to seven minutes on women talking about creating uh, spaces for comedy in Boston because it was just all white male. And so, and then when I tried to put the stuff in from everybody else, it just seemed really weird. Um, it's just disjointed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get the camera. And then what I was going to tell you guys is I'm going to all invite you to be somewhere so that I can like do individual tapings. Cause the one thing like you had given me good stuff, but like the problem was, is the sound and stuff was so different. I couldn't like put it in well enough. So I, I thought I was like, I'd show it to you again and be like, okay, now say, say that in the, that chair right there while I point this at you. Cause it's like, seriously, cause I wanted the stuff. It just wouldn't. And it's the same thing with Meg and the others too. It just wasn't, just wasn't sewing together well. And I'm, I'm very perfectionist about that stuff. So so the, the series will happen because I wanted to. And when I want something, I will make it happen. It may take time, but it will. And then um, 
yeah and then i'll set up a time for hopefully as many women i can in the in stand-up women that who can like in a certain weekend that i can just put in different chairs and tape <laughs> you sit over here in the leather chair you sit in that one yeah, yeah exactly like okay because i was thinking is like too is like it's like uh it's so it's all the things with filming that i've been learning it's like controlling the sound and oh does the camera have autofocus that's not good because it's going to randomly focus on something next to her instead of her for a second just a second or two that's just ruins the shot um having like having like a lot of spaces and stuff where you can like have like stop someone like do question and then answer and then stop because you need all the space for editing and knitting things together basically so it's like i learned a lot and I, i'm looking forward to doing more of it um and uh and some of the stuff that you had said on there on yours was like really important so i, I like took all sorts of notes so don't think you're off the hook janine <laughs> oh i sis, sister know this i don't feel i'm on or off the hook you know me i am about <laughs> promoting women so you need anything yeah. you message me and i will share in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. I'd like to come to, to you. I've never been, I don't think I've been anywhere. I mean, I've been in Volkswagen and Scranton and all those areas, but I haven't been to like your neck of the woods specifically. It'd be fun to do it. You're welcome anytime, honestly. And, and honestly, you should tell me when you're free and we will set something up because I'm planning cool. October shows now. I would love, you know, I would love to have you honestly. Well, you know, I will be in the area all through October because all the weekends of October, I'm, my husband doesn't know this, but I'm planning to come down. He doesn't like it when I do that. He thinks I should do it like every other, or I should only do three out of four. He's always trying to convince me to like do less stuff. But it was so funny because this morning I had a whole bunch of meetings and I was like, why did I schedule like five meetings in one day? He's like, I don't know, Raya. You, you never usually schedule, over schedule yourself with work. It's like the one thing you don't over work. I was like, I know. So Ro Roya, when she was in the Lehigh Valley, started Lehigh Valley, uh, is it women stand up or stand up women? Stand up women. Stand up women. And that's what I got to meet. Uh, Nancy Orline, who was a guest who was fantastic. She talked about using humor while she was dealing with breast cancer, while her husband was on the wait list for a heart transplant. Lisa Van Arsdale, she's been a guest. She's just, all I would say is love her, but she's a wacky, wacky gal, but she's like got so much going on. She's an entertaining gal. And Aaliyah Brown, who's also been on the podcast, met a lot of wonderful women. And I am all about having women, uh, giving them the space for their voice to be heard because I think we have not had it and we need to have it and I will promote anywhere, anytime. So I just want to say that anything you need at all, I am here. You just let me know. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you don't get paid, you don't get respected. So I started doing my own stuff in 2010, creating a space for women, especially for women at wineries where I only will bring on female comedians and I want an audience that's mostly female. And I, and I will tell you this, Roya, too, not just the listeners, but I've struggled with that because I've had people say, can I bring my husband? Uh, or people emailing me, is it just women? And I said, maybe I'm antiquated. Am I trying to hold on to a notion that doesn't matter? But I've had women say they like the environment, the space, the atmosphere that's just women. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm holding on to something that doesn't matter to other women, but like, I like that space because what I don't want is if it's just everybody, then it's just like a regular comedy night. And I was just trying to create a space for women. So mm -hmm. I struggle with that. 
how do we identify ourselves by what we're not? You know, because like uh, it was pointed out to me with LV Stand Up Women, it's like, well, what if the person doesn't identify as male or female? And like, what happens then? And I, I was like, that's fine. Non-binary can be in, but I didn't want to call it LV Stand Up Women and non-binary, and <laughs> you know. And then it's like, I don't want it to be LV Stand Up not men, not not straight white men. <laughs> so it's like it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And I know, you know, I, I think. It is really difficult because I really enjoyed having an all-female audience. It was novel and it was interesting. And you always knew you wouldn't get that weird face that men make when you talk about tampons or vaginas or menstruating or any of that, that, that face of like sort of like pain and <laughs> disgust and like just trying to hold it together because this is happening and they can't get away. <laughs> like it's not... It's not that they don't like the joke. It's like they don't even like the concept of the words that are coming out of your mouth that they shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Like they shouldn't be spoken up, period. Get it, period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I enjoyed not having that and feeling like, oh, I can just talk about anything pretty freely and not have some, you know, just have some dude thinking like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Like, hey, dudes, we go to shows all the time and get to hear about your ball sacks, like real intimate stuff. <laughs> We don't get to say, I don't want to hear this. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to laugh. So yeah, yeah I, I kind of like it. I mean, yeah. and the thing is, is like, I, like a guy like Ian is like, my husband is wonderful. Like he said, like, basically men are not interested in women's culture. Like we, we are expected to be interested in world, the world, what a WWF and everything else they do, but they aren't expected to know anything about us. And and so he's one of the ones that gets it. But still, if I didn't know him and I saw him in a crowd, like I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable. Like, oh, this guy's going to really enjoy this. This joke about when I had endometriosis or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's a struggle. And I and I believe me, it's, it's, that's the thing I say. You know, I can be people could think I'm whatever. Like, I don't know, whatever my faults are. I'm sarcastic. I'm this or that. But like my flaws. But the one thing I know is like I do take people into consideration and I do struggle with this because I'm like, I don't want someone in the non-binary community to be upset thinking I'm not including them. But like, yeah. you know, I've talked about this with Mary and Mary's like, well, maybe you put, you know, and she said it like as almost a joke, but like her wife, Kat was like, no, I wouldn't do that. Like, you know, no cis, cisgender, yeah. like cis white males yeah. or whatever. I, I don't, don't know all the terms. Well. I'm, like, <laughs> and I wouldn't want to even put that out there. So I do female, like ladies night, ladies night. And I've, I've literally given, I've emailed guys I've seen names and I will, I will give them their money back. I've done this twice. And they're like, Oh, okay. And like, and I don't want to be this militant, whatever, but I'm trying to save this space for women. And I'm not apologetic. I'm like, honestly, I say fuck people who don't get it in a way, but at the same time, I don't want to disrespect women. Women are my concern and non-binary, like the other folks, yeah. whatever. Well, but yeah. I want a space that's safe. And I want a space like what I'm trying to create is like definitely one, only women on my shows. I, I don't need to promote men because they're on every other fucking show. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I will not change that shit. But as far as like, and Mary and I have talked about this, Mary's like, well, one way to look at it is, you know, it's, uh, it's more ticket sales. Yes, that's true. Like let the men come, but I'm like, they, these women literally can't leave their spouses or boyfriends or whatever at home for one night. Like yeah. that shit. And it, you know, the thing is, if it didn't matter, 
that would be one thing, but it does. And we know this. I've seen it, you know, the dynamic changes when it's all women Mm -hmm. versus a couple folks who have their boyfriends in the corner. They're kind of not comfortable or they're only laughing at stuff. They're not, they're looking at their boyfriends like, uh, it changes the dynamic and I don't want that Mm -hmm. shit. So can I just say too, is that if men had a club, I don't know that they would sit there and debate and feel upset about if they didn't include non-binary people. (laughs) Like this is something essentially female is that we're constantly like having to think about what other people feel. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that we do it, but at the same time, it's like they never have to do it. Why don't they ever have to do it? They don't have to do anything they don't want to do. <laughs> like they don't do things they don't want to do. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. That's yeah. the difference. We're the heart so, and soul. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're raised a certain way. So whenever I see, like, it's just, it boggles my mind sometimes watching a man just do what he wants. <laughs> like, you're just going to do that even though people will be upset with you? holy shit (laughs) like this just breaks my head but yeah i think you should keep doing what you're doing because there's no reason why there can't be a space where it's just women in a room and if somebody is non-binary you can just put on it somewhere in the thing like non-binary people are always are always included like somewhere on the form or on the thing or on the web like the some somewhere you can put it somewhere like we do it with lv stand-up women but i don't feel the need to like entirely change something because you know it's just because it's working for so many people like you said like there are women who probably have a hard time getting out of the house without their husbands i used to be in an abusive relationship where he was stuck to my butt i couldn't go anywhere or do anything i was like literally like i had like a couple hours on a thursday night when i was allowed to be with a friend and it was like nine o'clock if i wasn't back i was getting texts so it's like Sometimes people just need to have like some space away and, and maybe that's how they get it. And, um, you know, if it's like, it's like, well, I can only go with women to this show, you know, that kind of thing. But it's, it, yeah, it's sad. <laughs> There's probably plus, situations like that. Plus with the content, like you said about the, like, I don't care if a guy doesn't want to hear about this. Like for me, what I'm talking about now is what's going on in my life. Like mm-hmm. it's my hormones. It's my perimenopause. If that makes you uncomfortable, I don't give a shit. So Mm -hmm. other women who get it, which they do, Mm -hmm. and also, which is a whole different thing that could be a whole separate podcast, that we don't talk enough in the Mm -hmm. society about this shit, what women are going through. We haven't researched it enough. We don't have help Mm -hmm. enough for the hormones. What we're going Mm -hmm. through is real, and it's not just like, oh, she's on her period. No, this is shit that causes depression, itch, weight gain, like all kinds of crazy stuff that you're like not even helped properly by doctors. So like, yeah. I am going to talk about it as someone who's 52, about to be 52 years old, dealing with perimenopause and changes in my hormones. I get angry. I get depressed. I am going to talk about that. I don't give a shit if you're uncomfortable as a man. Like, honestly, yeah. I don't well, care. They don't, they don't get it because it's not part of their experience. Like, for instance, it was like with men, like the, anything that has to do with men's healthcare is always like on the forefront of cutting technology. And then you look at what women are, are those stirrups and stuff that we put it and the like forceps, they're the same as like the 1800s, you know? No. And like, and <laughs> yeah. then I was getting a, a mammogram and she's like sticking my boob between these two like hard things and mashing them up. And I said, how long have you been doing this? And she's like 25 years. And I was like, does it look the same as when you started? And she just looks at me and she's like, it's exactly the same. <laughs> 
Oh, great. Good. I'm so glad that people are trying hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's only women, so they won't mind yeah. getting their breasts squished to like, I mean, you know, to hell. It's just like, <laughs> man, I just, I felt like, is somebody angry with my boobs? Did they do something wrong? <laughs> like, why does this hurt so much? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I had to go back. I had abnormalities and I had to go back and I'm like, whoa, the second time around, they're like, they're getting real. I'm like, they're pulling them from under my armpit. Like, oh my God, where are you when pulling they, that flesh from? <laughs> they do that weird kneading thing, like they're kneading bread to get <laughs> underneath the thing. I just need them to get a clear picture. We need to get that all in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I call them the boob, the boob ladies. They have to like kind of massage your boobs without having you get like trying to keep you calm while they stand in between <laughs> these. They'll be like, "How are you doing?" La 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 la. Like just need, need, need. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. Boob ladies. God <laughs> love them. Time. They're nice ladies. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that for like 20 years though? <laughs> no, and I'll tell you what. I would love to have one of those women. I want to have one of those women on the podcast because I'd like to know. I want to ask them. What's it like to handle boobs for a living? Like seriously, like sticking them in the glass, squishing <laughs> them up and, you know, but, That's but yet what they're doing can them. be life-saving. I mean, you know, yeah. but you always have to ask when it's a job like that, ask, what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you? <laughs> Well, I always say I'm going to ask the woman the next time I go for my mammogram, I'm going to ask her, can I put you on my podcast? But I haven't done it yet. It's funny because it's like, I haven't had a bunch of them, but I have noticed that they've all been short. <laughs> Do they need to be? Do they need to be like right at boob level? Like <laughs> boob need, level. need them? Like what? I was thinking about that. If they were really tall, they'd have to like crane down. <laughs> You've got to be five foot one to five foot three. Otherwise, forget about being, you know, the boob lady. <laughs> With small hands. <laughs> you gotta have tiny corny hands to work these boobs. Them. You can push them under the thing. <laughs> push them under the oh my god. The <laughs> See, oh. that's what makes a good sketch. That would make a good sketch. <laughs> oh, I'm picturing like a Lucille Ball kind of thing, but like with the boobs mm. and like, yeah, and the like, yeah, it's good times. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna wrap this up here because it's getting late for me and i feel like i i personally have have asked you everything i've wanted to ask you about so i'm going to ask you here now my final question anything that you would like to promote or say in closing uh so like you said music fest is 11th and 12th um if you happen to be in the massachusetts area august 15th is the salem ghosted show and then um in november I think it's November 2nd is Pigeon City and that is sketch comedy and it's live sketch comedy and taped and it will be incredibly funny. I mean, Guiney on the Go is one of my sketches that has to do with a drive through gynecologist. So, <laughs> hey now, that was fun. Lisa was in that one. Lisa and Arsene. Oh, Lisa's yeah. so funny. She's, Legs I don't understand her fascination with Bruce Springsteen, but that's a sidebar. I don't get that. <laughs> everybody's got their thing yeah exactly and i'm not i'm not judging i'm just curious yeah. i'm like wow well, what is I'm... with that yeah so i will share in the show notes so check out roya hamadani and she is going to perform as well as her husband ian webster at the music fest comedy plats august 11th and 12th and check her out in salem ghosted with megan Getz, and we will have all those details and then november her sketch 
Pigeon City, which is amazing. Roy is a very talented, smart, and funny human being. And I want to thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate your time and catching up with you. It is it is so lovely to see your face and catch up with you and to know that you're doing well. I appreciate you for spending this time with me. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so nice to talk to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And again, when I say honestly, I truly do believe in women empowerment. So you honestly need anything. You just let me know anytime. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So thank you to my listeners for listening. We're rolling into August here. We're starting off and I have some great guests lined up. Laura Ducheski from the Scranton Area Community Foundation will be joining me and I will have that episode next week. Scranton Area Community Foundation has been doing amazing work in Northeastern Pennsylvania and we'll get into that. Nina Judge is going to talk about a foundation she created after her father committed suicide. Serious topic for September is Suicide Prevention Awareness uh, Month. We'll be talking about that. And Katie, I don't actually know her last name, but she is someone who has a podcast about standardized patient work, which is something that I do, one of my mini gig life in my gig life. So we'll be talking about pretending to be a patient with a variety of ailments, which is so much fun. So there are some serious topics coming up and there are some very lighthearted topics coming up as well. But I do appreciate you listening always. It means a lot to me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend uh, or an enemy because they need love too and they need some enlightenment. Uh, But as I always say, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass.